Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Castle. This is a very special episode because we are previewing the 2023 Bruce Mahoney football game. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're familiar with the Bruce Mahoney game, what makes it special, why it's important, why it commands its own special episode instead of being lumped in with all the other game previews. But if you're new to this, whether it's because you're new to the area or you're out in the East Bay where some of these schools don't really have as much of an impact, you probably have a few questions like, what's the Bruce Mahoney game? Why should I care? What's this weird spot on my back? Well, I'll answer the first two of those questions. You should probably see a doctor about the back thing. So if you're familiar with the Bruce Mahoney series already, you can skip ahead a little bit. But if you do need a primer, the Bruce Mahoney Trophy is contested between St. Ignatius and Sacred Heart Cathedral. It is the oldest high school rivalry west of the Rocky Mountains, and the second oldest west of the Mississippi River. The only older rivalry west of the Mississippi River is in Pueblo, Colorado. That rivalry in Pueblo between Central and Centennial dates back to 1892, one year ahead of the first meeting between St. Ignatius and Sacred Heart Cathedral. So the trophy is, I would say the most prestigious rivalry trophy in Northern California high school sports because it's not just a trophy given for the winner of one football game. It's given to the winner of a five-sport series. Now, up until 2020, it was a best-of-three series. So the trophy was first awarded in 1947, and up until 2020... The trophy was given to whoever won two out of three of the football game, the first basketball game, and the first baseball game between the two schools. So if the schools split football and basketball, then it would come down to baseball. Pretty simple format. And then beginning in the 2021-22 to 22 school year, the Bruce Mahoney series added girls sports. Originally, there was talk about having a separate girls' trophy, perhaps some sort of bridge trophy. Ultimately, the schools decided to add volleyball and girls' basketball to the series, thus making it a best out of five. Would have been tough to include something like soccer because, you know, soccer has ties. So this is the third year of the series being a best three out of five instead of a best two out of three. St. Ignatius has won each of those last couple. Last year, 3-2. to two, Came down to the baseball game, which they won. I believe it was 6-1 to one in baseball. SHC had won football and girls basketball. Year before, SI clinched it by winning girls basketball. The only one that SHC won had been football. So SHC has won the last two Bruce Mahoney football games. And four of the last six, which happened to be the six that I've attended, I have... Been attending various Bruce Mahoney events dating back to the 2015 basketball game. Now, before we go any further, it should be addressed. 
Why is it called the Bruce Mahoney Trophy? Well, it's named after Bill Bruce and Jerry Mahoney, alumni of St. Ignatius and Sacred Heart. At the time, it was just Sacred Heart. It was not Sacred Heart Cathedral until it became co-ed as a merger of two schools. Anyway, they were alumni of the two schools that were killed fighting in World War II. So there's that service aspect, which kind of gives it an almost Army-Navy game type of feel. Although these teams do throw the ball a little bit more than Army and Navy. Anyway, my first Bruce Mahoney event I ever attended was in 2015. I had wanted to go to various games before that, but never got a chance to because like, the basketball game was an impossible ticket. Pretty much every year, USF is completely packed to the gills. Even before some of the renovations, when capacity was upwards of 5,000, it was a legitimately tough ticket to get unless you are a member of one of the two schools or an alum of one of the schools or a parent or something. SHC girls basketball coach Demetrius Jackson said, this is the game that great-grandma comes to. You know, it's not just something that, you know, your typical parents and some of the students show up to. It's, you know, a thousand students for each school, if not more. It's your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your siblings, your cousins, great-grandparents, everybody. It's a big deal. There are players who are going to be in tonight's football game that have attended past Bruce Mahoney football games, tossing footballs around up on the hill behind the end zone at Kizar Stadium. There will be kids doing that tonight that will go on to play in future Bruce Mahoney games. It's one of those traditions that really ties everything together, and it makes both of these schools institutions that aren't just something you experience for your four years of high school. They have deep community ties, even in a city that's had so many transplants and so much change over the last few decades. As for special moments in the Bruce Mahoney series, just going back to 2015, SHC basketball winning on an Omari Brown last-second layup. A year later, SI denies a last-second layup bid at the end of another one-point game. The 2017 football game, SHC stopped five St. Ignatius drives into the red zone. 2018 and 19, the series came down to baseball and was decided by a walk-off in 2018. SHC walked off on a wild pitch, although admittedly, I was kind of salty that night because I wanted to be at Sean Manaya's no-hitter. Thankfully, I did get to see a no-hitter a year later. 2019, it was SI's turn, scoring three runs in the seventh inning to walk off and win the trophy. The 2020 football game was a great three-point game. The 2021 football game, SHC came in at 0-5, won 21-20 thanks to a late-missed field goal after coming back from down 13. The basketball game that year went to overtime as well. SI had a big 10-point comeback. And then last year, SHC shut the Wildcats out for the first time in 35 years. So there have been all sorts of moments, all sorts of heroic performances. But there's something special about this game always being played, not just at a neutral site, but a pretty prestigious one. I mean, the list of sites that have hosted Bruce Mahoney events in the last decade alone include, obviously, Kizar Stadium and War Memorial Gym at USF. The baseball game is almost always held at Oracle Park. In past years when 
renovations have have moved the game around. Basketball is played at the Cow Palace, Kizar Pavilion, Haas Pavilion, you name it. Have a great rivalry on the southern end of the West Catholic Athletic League. That's that, you know, people go back and forth on if it should be called the Holy War or not. You know, there's connotations with that, but you know, that's one where home field advantage is a big thing. What's special about this one is that it's a neutral site. Now, yes, Kizar is SHC's home field. The Irish will have a little more familiarity with playing on a natural grass field. But for all intents and purposes, it's a neutral game. And in fact, SI is technically the home team, so they'll be wearing the home uniforms, etc. But really, this this is a neutral game with a pretty much 50-50 crowd. And it's just a phenomenal experience. And the nice thing about the football game is that there's enough room for just about everyone who wants to attend. Now, last year was just about at capacity. I think it was an estimated 9,500. Availability of tickets for the football game is pretty doable. Before we get into this year's game and some of the players that are going to be a part of it, I'd just like to take a moment to invite you to subscribe to the Bay Preps Insider Podcast whether it's on Apple, Spotify, or any other podcasting platform, if you haven't done so yet. Leave a rating and a review. Share the link with everyone you think might be interested. I really want this show to expand and to be a free resource for sports fans around the Bay Area. And word of mouth, or in this case, word of texting people links, is the most efficient way to do that. So thank you so much. And don't forget as well to head to baypreppsinsider.substack.com where you can currently find all of my recent stories available for free. Now we enter the 2023 Bruce Mahoney football game with St. Ignatius as the presumptive favorite on the field and ahead 1-0 in the series thanks to a really exciting five-set volleyball win. I was at the volleyball match this past Tuesday between the two teams as well. This one was not as close as the match that counted to the trophy series. Again, just like with baseball and basketball, only the first volleyball match counts towards the trophy. The other one is, you know, still an important rivalry game, but it's not part of the Bruce Mahoney series. So this non-trophy game, just SHC at SI, which was part of SI's Dig Pink game, and it was also senior night. SI won in straight sets with a more complete team than they had in the prior meeting. Junior Korea Mickles was out injured last time. She made a difference, as did Reardon transfer Carol Manu, who was sitting out at the time of the first meeting. I think the most impressive player overall, though, was setter Tara Hagen, who I've seen SI Volleyball quite a few times over the last few years, and that was the best game she had played. So, as I said, SI not only has the lead in the series so far this year, but also is the presumptive favorite on the field with a 4-3 record. They've been the Cardiac Cats this year. Three one-point wins and a seven-point win. Whereas SHC enters 0-7 with an extremely young team, but the Irish have turned the corner within the last few weeks. After dropping their first four games, including three against a grueling non-league schedule, I mean, both teams played great non-league schedules, but after those first four games, 
They started to get healthier. Also got a couple of key transfers in quarterback Michael Sargent. He's only a sophomore. He came in from San Marin. And junior wide receiver O'Brien Flanagan, who came in from Antioch. Those two have definitely added some new life to the Irish. Offensively, they've been much better in the last few weeks. The issue remains run defense. Now, they've got a pretty quality secondary. I really liked Jason Mabry, really liked how he played in that Bruce Mahoney game last year, in fact. But again, this is a young team, and as much as I like Zaheer Young at defensive tackle, he can't be the entire defense. So they're going to need some young guys in the box to really step up if they're going to stay in this game and have a chance to pull off the upset. Now, again, it wouldn't be the first time a winless SHC team has come in and gotten their first win in the Bruce Mahoney game. They did that in 2021. They were 0-5. Won that game. Ended up winning two more regular season games and then went all the way to a state division 4A title, which I think also added to the excitement last year between... SHC coming off of a state championship run that really energized and galvanized the community. And fans wanting to see a couple of superstars in R.L. Miller and Jerry Mixon Jr. I think it really contributed to make last year's game such a big event. And I hope that despite not having quite as much buildup this year, it'll be a similarly huge draw. And hopefully it'll be a better game because last year's game was admittedly kind of a stinker. SHC got a safety and then scored off a short field, went for two and got it, and that was it. They won 10-0. to It was kind of a rock fight. I think this is going to be a more wide-open game. If you were to set an over-under, and by the way, I am not at all recommending anyone gamble on any sort of high school sporting event. I'm just saying if you were to set an over-under for this game... I would probably put it somewhere in the high 40s to low 50s. That being said, across their last two games, SI and their opponents have combined to score a total of only 56 points. I had thought the SI St. Francis game a couple weeks ago was going to probably end up with a combined score somewhere in the mid 50s, and it ended up at half that at 27. If I personally had to guess, though, like I said, you would probably be expecting a combined score somewhere in the high 40s to low 50s. Now, setting a point spread, and again, I do not recommend gambling on any sort of high school game. That is completely illegal. Setting a point spread is based off of public perception. And, you know, what do you do to have 50% of people on one side of the line and 50% on the other? And I'm not quite sure what that public perception would be. My guess is it would be somewhere between, I don't know, 10 and 15 points with SI as the favorite. As I mentioned, the last couple of games, SI's defense has been much better. Offensive consistency has been tough to find. They've been dealing with some injuries against St. Francis, finished the game without either of their top two running backs, Cameron Jones and Jarius Hogan. Hogan played last week against Valley Christian, Ran for the touchdown to set up the go-ahead two-point conversion. Also caught a touchdown with a great diving grab at the back of the end zone. Sounds like Jones should be good to return this week. If I was to really 
say, though, who were the most consistent players for SI to this point in the season, I would probably have to turn to cornerback Dash Crispin and kicker Oren Kenny. Kenny's been excellent, and Crispin has locked down a bunch of really strong receivers. You look at the competition that SI's played, really the one team they couldn't stop at all was San Ramon Valley in the opening game, which is understandable because just about everyone's had trouble stopping SRV. And then special teams have been really solid. It was the difference in that Bellarmine game. And while kicking on natural grass is certainly a different experience, especially what will presumably be a slippery surface on a foggy night, Kenny is the latest in the line of really good SI kickers. That said, a couple of players that I think need to be looked at as kind of guys that could shift this game or candidates for a breakout game. On the SHC side, I'm going to go with wide receiver Jackson Irons. He was kind of the third or fourth option last year. He's listed at five foot nine, and knowing how rosters are with listing guys and their size, he might actually be shorter than that. No offense, just the way it is. But he's been a really solid receiving option. Super tough kid, not afraid of contact. His older brother was the Fighting Irish QB a few years ago, so this will be a game that I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up being a key target on a lot of shorter options, kind of get him going in motion. As for SI, the two guys I'm looking at are the aforementioned Jarius Hogan, who, against a team that struggled to stop the run, could have a monster game and has just played really well overall throughout these last couple of seasons. And big sophomore tight end, Manaomi Atito. SI's had really good tight end play for quite a while, and they've got a couple on D1 rosters right now. Guys that were just kind of part of a rotation of really good tight ends in high school. Oliver Stewart is at Nevada. Mike Harrison is making waves at Colorado. I think when it's all said and done, Tito is going to be a D1 player. He is currently listed at 6'3", 215 pounds. And considering that some of these weight measurements are not just rounded off to the nearest five pounds, I would like to believe that some of these are actually exact, whereas a lot of height and weight estimates on high school rosters are just estimates or exaggerated. In fact, on college rosters too, you see, you know, I'll see guys that are my height, basketball players that are listed at like 6'2". It's like, no, I'm I'm 5'10". You're definitely not six foot. You're definitely not 6'2". You know, everyone does it, but let's, I'd like it if we could all be a little bit more honest about, about player measurements. Just my little silly gripe here. Anyway, players to watch in this game for SHC, Jackson Irons, for SI, Manami Atito, and Jarius Hogan. Before I wrap this thing up, I mentioned earlier that there are some parallels to the Army-Navy game, what with the trophy being named after former service members, etc. And I was thinking one of the other parallels that you have is after the game, both schools sing their alma mater. Five of the eight schools in the WCAL do this after every game, win or lose. 
However, it's not quite done with the formality of, you know, singing first and singing second like you get in the Army-Navy game. Generally speaking, I guess the losing team ends up singing first and then the winning team after celebrating sings second. It would be pretty neat if that could become more of like a formalized thing where where the winning team makes it a point to sing second. I think we've gotten that more in the basketball game in previous years, although with the changes to the setup at USF, unfortunately, while it is cool to have the student sections behind each basket, one of the things that was lost was having the team be able to climb up into the crowd and then you know join their student section and sing with them because the student sections used to be on each sideline. It is cool to have them behind the baskets, though. It's cool both for volleyball and basketball to have that. But yes, the winning team typically does sing second. It's not like a romanticized, specific part of it, like it is for the Army-Navy game. But it would be cool if that kind of became more of a formal tradition rather than just something that happens. Because I do think it is really neat that so many of the WCAL schools have, you know, the school fight song or alma mater chanted at the end of the game, win or lose. We also see this at St. Francis, Mitty, and Reardon. So I really enjoy it, and I would love to see that become, you know, that sort of thing where, where you know, both teams watch the others sing their alma mater like you get in Army-Navy, and... If you win, you make a big point out of singing second. That's really the one change I would make to this otherwise incredible tradition that really just needs to be maintained as much as possible. Don't forget, tonight's game kicks off at 6.30 p.m., not 7. Tickets are available online. Parking is virtually non-existent, so good luck with that. Take public transportation if you can, and I hope to see you there. Once again, you've been listening to the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. I'm Ethan Castle, and I still don't have a go-to sign-off line.